Welcome this morning. I'm thankful that we get to gather together. Even though the weather isn't perfect, we still get to be together online. Uh, We're in week number two of our series called Insomnia, and we're asking the question, what keeps you up at night? My name is Nathan. I'm blessed to serve on staff here at Hallmark. Um, So if you have your Bible or your Bible app with you this morning at home, open up with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Our theme for 2021 as a church is grow our faith and strengthen our community. And right now we are focusing in on faith. And Pastor John gave us a great definition of faith last week. He said that faith is confident obedience in God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. Confident obedience to God's word in spite of consequences or circumstances. And in Mark 4, we're going to see that the faith of the disciples of Jesus are going to be challenged by their circumstances. You know, it's usually pretty easy for me to say that I trust God when everything in my life is going well. Uh, When I'm healthy, when my wife and I are on the same page, uh, when my finances are in check, uh, that's when I feel like my faith is strong. Uh, But whenever there's sickness, whenever there's financial stress, Uh, when there's tension in my marriage, when there's loss, when things aren't quite right, or when my circumstances get hard, that's when my faith is challenged. And everyone's life has different challenges, different problems, different circumstances, but really life itself is a challenge. Life itself is a storm. And so getting through life is like getting through a storm. And at different seasons of life, we'll, we'll be tempted to be kept up with insomnia And we're asking questions like, how, when, where, or what? Like, how is God going to work this situation out? When is God going to finally answer my prayers? Where is the solution going to come from, and what is going to happen to me? But I want us to take a step back from whatever circumstances that you're in right now, whether they're good or whether they're bad, take a step back from that and take a look at the big picture of life. And realize that the one question that we need to have answered for us is not how, when, or where. It's who. And this morning we'll see from Mark 4 that God uses the storm to grow our faith. So look with me at verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we'll see first that God uses the storm to grow our faith in Jesus' words. Now by the time we get to verse 35 in Mark chapter 4, it's been a long day for Jesus and the disciples. He has spent the entire day teaching the multitudes and healing them from their sicknesses and helping them with their problems. And he's taken one of his disciples' boats and he's used that kind of as like, like, a, like a floating pulpit so that the water would help carry his voice so that everyone could hear him. So once the day is done, once evening comes, 
he initiates crossing over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And verse 35 says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And so the disciples set sail. Now, the disciples didn't know what was about to hit them. But who did know? Jesus. And now, how many times over the last 12 months have we heard phrases like or said things like, man, who could have seen this coming? All the craziness that's happened in the last year, who could have foreseen any of it happening? And we've heard words like unprecedented and never before. And all these things have happened to us as a country and as people. Uh, we've been totally caught off guard, except for God. Just like God knew that the disciples were about to head into a storm, God knew about 2020 long before 2020 ever happened. And so whatever you are going through right now, whatever storm or difficult circumstance that you are in, it's not a surprise to God. Oftentimes we can be blindsided by life and by what happens to us. But God is not blindsided by it. He's not surprised. He's not up in heaven wondering, oh man, I never could have thought that this would have happened. Now what am I going to do? That's how we feel. That's never how God feels. And so what did Jesus tell his disciples in verse 35? He didn't say, hey, because I'm God, I can see the future, and so I know a storm is coming, and so why don't we just stay here and wait the storm out and then go across to the other side? He didn't say that. He also didn't say, hey, because I know a storm is coming, here's what you can do to prepare. Here's how you can be ready for what is about to happen. No, he simply says, let us go across to the other side. And I love how Jesus uses the word us here in this verse. He is going to be going with his followers. He's not just sending them out into this storm alone. He is going to be right there in the boat with them. And so as we go through the storm that is life, we as believers need to be encouraged that it is impossible for you to be alone. God will always be right there with you. Last week, we saw how God came and encouraged Joshua's faith. And what was one of the promises that God made to Joshua? In Joshua 1.9, God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And one of the titles for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And typically we hear that title during Christmas, but that's not limited to only Christmas time, right? Jesus is with us for the entire year. And in Hebrews 13:5, the Bible says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is a promise that is repeated over and over and over again in the Bible. But not only was Jesus with them, he promised them that they were going to make it. He didn't tell them, hey, you know what, let's go to the middle of the lake and then drown. He said, no, we are going to go across to the other side. And when Jesus says something, we can hang on to that in faith. His words are not empty. He is not a politician making false promises. And the disciples knew that, but the storm was going to challenge their faith by making them forget what they knew Jesus had said. And the same is true of us. We can be sitting at home watching today or sitting in church and saying amen and believe that all is well, but when our circumstances turn against us, when life becomes difficult, how quickly do we forget what God has promised us in his word? Because he has promised us that if we are his followers, if we are his children, not only is he going to be with us in the storm, 
but we are going to make it. In Philippians 1.6, the Bible says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God has not saved you only to let you drown in the middle of the lake. Now, that promise doesn't mean that we're going to land that perfect job. It doesn't mean that your marriage will never have problems. It doesn't mean that your finances will always be squared away. But it does mean that the work that God started in your heart, the moment that you became a follower of Jesus, is going to be completed one day. Someday we will be set free from sin. Someday we will be free from sickness and disease and death, and we will be with God forever. He has promised it. And so what promise are you holding on to this morning from God's Word? If you don't have a promise that you're holding on to, read the Bible daily to discover some of those promises that God has given to us. See, God has given us the Bible, His Word, not as a homework assignment for us to read, but it's full of promises for Him to help us through life, to show us what it means to be a follower of Jesus in 2021. Because life is a storm, and in the storm we need to remember the words of Jesus. So God uses the storm to grow our faith in his words, and next God uses the storm to grow our faith in Jesus over our circumstances. So in verses 35 and 36, so far it's, it's clear skies and calm waters, and the disciples are no doubt feeling encouraged. Imagine being with Jesus for an entire day listening to him teach. How encouraging would that be? And on top of that, not only did you hear him teach, you're part of his inner circle, you're part of his 12 disciples. And so no doubt whenever uh, they are entering into the boat, their faith feels strong, their hearts feel encouraged, they are ready to go to the other side. But then in verse 37, we see the disciples encounter circumstances that send their faith into a crisis. Look at verse 37 with me. It says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Now, this is not your average storm. The word used here for windstorm or storm is translated everywhere else in the New Testament as earthquake. So that's a very strong word that gives you an idea of the violence of this storm. And the word right before it, great, is where we get our word mega. So this storm felt like a mega earthquake on the water. And the Bible says that the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So they can't get the water out of their boat fast enough. It's filling, the boat is sinking, and they are not going to make it. So now, it's, it's good to remind ourselves here, why do the disciples find themselves in this circumstance? Why are the disciples in this storm in the first place? They're not here because they've been disobedient. They're not here because they've made some foolish decision. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They are in the middle of the storm because they've been obedient. Because they have listened to the voice of Jesus, they find themselves here in this circumstance. Because they obeyed, they are in the storm. And God, in his wisdom and his purposes that are deeper and greater than anything that we can ever understand, he sometimes leads his children straight into difficulty. Oftentimes when I encounter difficult circumstances in my life, I immediately think that I'm outside of the will of God. Surely if I was with God, if I was closer to God, this thing would not be happening to me. Kind of in my mind, I have two columns. I have the negative circumstances of life and God's will, and the two never mix. But here we see that sometimes God leads us straight into the storm. 
I love the way another preacher put it. I think it was Tony Evans. He said that in the will of God, it does rain. And I like that. I like it because it brings truth to our misconceptions about what it means to experience God's will for our lives. And while I wholeheartedly believe that God does protect his children, he, he does bless people who follow Jesus, that does not mean that our circumstances will always be completely free of pain or suffering. Sometimes following Jesus means experiencing a storm. And so we view the storm as something that shouldn't be happening in our life, right? If everything was perfect, this circumstance would not be happening. And it's okay to pray that God would change those circumstances, but understand that God wants to use your circumstances to grow your faith. And so we as Christians, we don't get a free pass on pain. Following Jesus does not come with a get-out-of-pain free card. He has actually told us the opposite. He's told us to expect trouble in this life. In John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, God never asks us to live in denial. He doesn't ask us to stick our heads in the sand and when life is hard, act like everything is good. A storm is a storm. Pain is pain. But he never wants our circumstances to be what dictates and controls our faith. God never wants our relationship with him to be controlled by whether things are good one day or bad the next. And so God won't stop every single storm in your life, but he has promised to bring us through the storm of life and sin and death and into eternity with him. If you're a follower of Jesus, you probably say that you're trusting Christ with your eternity, which is great. But we also need to trust him with our today, no matter our circumstances. Next, we'll see in verses 38 through 39 that God uses the storm to grow our faith in Jesus' care. The first part of verse 38 says that, that Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And here we see that after a long day of ministering to other people, he's tired and he needs rest. But I don't think it's a coincidence that this is the only passage in all of the New Testament where we see Jesus sleeping. Now, who was the only one that knew a storm was coming? It was Jesus. But who's the only one on the boat taking a nap? Jesus. Not what you would expect, right? If I knew a storm was coming... I'd be getting ready. I'd be preparing. I'd be nervous. I'd be running around the boat, not knowing what to do. But the disciples are clueless, and Jesus, the only one who knows the storm is on the way, is resting. And one of the proofs of our faith is our ability to rest in the middle of the storm. Our ability to rest and trust God even when we are surrounded by difficult circumstances. Because Jesus has told us that he is going to be with us. So why couldn't the disciples rest? Because they thought that making it across to the other side of the lake depended on them. They thought that their efforts, their skills, that was going to be what helped them make it across. They had to understand that it was all about Jesus. Because he told them that they were going to make it. They simply had to trust him. So why do we sometimes live as if our salvation depends on our performance. 
or our standing before God somehow is dependent on how good you are one day or the next? Or why do we live as if our usefulness for God depends on our skills and our abilities or our talents? See, the, the disciples didn't have faith that God was going to handle it. And that leads them to questioning his care for them. Look again at verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Again, we see the extreme danger of this storm because they're worried, hey, we are about to die. Now remember, these are seasoned fishermen. They've grown up on the Sea of Galilee. Handling storms, handling the water, handling the wind is what they do for a living. And so for the fishermen to go to the carpenter for help tells you how bad it really is. But of course, asking Jesus for help is the best thing that they could have done, but they do it in the worst possible way. It wasn't just, hey, Jesus, we are about to die. Please save us. Or, hey, Jesus, the, the boat is sinking. Please do something miraculous. No, they say, hey, we are getting killed out here, and it seems like you don't even care. In their moment of desperation, the disciples had more faith that the storm would destroy them than that Jesus would save them. And when life is upside down for us, when our circumstances are intimidating and scary, oftentimes it can feel like God has fallen asleep at the wheel. It can cause our hearts to ask, man, does, does Jesus even care about me? Because we hear that Jesus cares, but does he care about me? And the disciples, they've seen him do miracles. They've seen him heal people and do miraculous things that no one else could have done. They've seen his love for them and for others. But now this storm is making them question everything. I don't think there's anyone watching who has never doubted God's love for them, whose faith has never been challenged by a circumstance. If you've never asked the question, man, does God even care about this situation that I'm struggling with? Does he care about what I'm going through right now? Does he care about my hurt or my loneliness or my depression or my health? But think about the original reader's of the gospel of Mark. When Mark wrote his gospel, it was to persecuted Christians in Rome. So when they get this gospel, they're reading it by dim torchlight in the catacombs of Rome at the risk of their own life. Their friends and their family have been thrown into the Colosseum as thousands of people cheer on and watch while they are killed by wild animals. They've lost their homes. They've lost their incomes. They've lost their social standing. They've lost everything. That's who Mark is writing to. And do you think those believers ever questioned if God cared for them? Do you think they ever felt like maybe Jesus fell asleep on the boat? I have no doubt that many of them had to deal with this very thing. Like they decided to make the step to follow Jesus, and as a result, they lose everything. And so the answer is not always that their lives would be spared or their lives would get better, though many were spared. The answer was to have faith that Jesus cared for them even when they would lose their life. That's what faith looks like. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes it's really easy to see God's blessing on your life. And other times it's hard to see anything at all. But true faith is believing that Jesus cares for you even when your very life is in danger. Now, in spite of the disciples' lack of faith, Jesus is going to take action. 
Verse 39 says, And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So Jesus responds to the call of the disciples. He gets up, and really without any theatrics, without any display of anything, he just says, Peace, be still, and it's done. When you watch a uh, superhero movie, at the very end with the fight scene with your main character against the main bad guy, there's usually a back-and-forth display of power, right? There's a lot of straining, there's a lot of grunting, there's a lot of struggle. That's not the case here with, with Jesus. He just stands up and simply says three words, and like that, it's done. The winds stop, the waves are still, and the storm, the the circumstance that had thrown the disciples' faith into a spiral is now gone. Now, who is Jesus speaking to? It's not like winds can hear. It's not like the, the water has ears. He was speaking so that the disciples and so that we could hear and be assured that who we are dealing with is not just a man. We are dealing with the same one who created everything from nothing is now speaking to his creation because he is in control. He's showing us that God is in the boat with us. So the culmination of all of this leads us to verses 40 and 41. And God uses the storm to grow our faith in Jesus' identity, in who Jesus is. Verse 40, Jesus says to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He asked them, How is it that after all of this, your faith is still almost non-existent? He's just been teaching about faith all day. They've just seen him do other miracles that very same day, and yet their circumstances had made them forget everything. So even though the disciples had heard and seen all these things, they still struggled to be 100% faith-filled all of the time. And I can relate to that. Even though God has been faithful to me over and over and over again in my life, even though he's answered so many prayers and he's done so many things, for me and for other people in my life, even though I know that, even though I've seen that, when the next challenge comes, when something bigger comes my way, my faith is oftentimes shaken. But there should, ever, there should never really be a reason for me to doubt, and yet it's the same thing over and over again, just like the disciples. But Jesus calls the disciples out for, for their lack of faith here, and by extension, he's doing the same for you and for me. Because who or what we believe is most powerful will be the master of your thoughts and actions. Who or what you believe is most powerful will be master of your thoughts and actions. In the middle of the storm, the disciples believed that the storm was all-powerful. And because of that, they were afraid. Because of that, they were panicked. Because of that, they questioned and doubted God. But when you believe that Jesus is most powerful— when you believe that Jesus is the one who has total and complete control over your life, you'll be able to rest. Now, you would think that after seeing Jesus command nature, that the disciples would be, you know, jumping up and down, they'd be pumped, they'd be high-fiving, ready to go, like, man, I can't believe we ever doubted you. I'm never going to doubt you again, Jesus. But look at what they do in verse 41. It says, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. So Jesus may have calmed the windstorm, but now he's caused a storm in their hearts. Now he's caused a spiritual storm. And that word great is there again. 
Uh, just like there was a mega storm, now we see that the, the disciples have great fear. They have mega fear, not during the storm, after the storm is over. Now, that might seem strange and counterintuitive at first, but imagine being there in the boat with Jesus. You're looking him in the eyes. You're drenched and exhausted after a night of trying to fight through this storm on your own. You've just accused him of not even caring for you. And now he said three words, and the whole thing is over. But now he's just there looking at you. And your heart begins to race because you realize all this time you've been afraid of the wrong thing. You realize all this time that the more powerful being was right there in the boat with you, not outside of the boat. That God himself, the one who created and commands everything, is standing right in front of you. Like so many other people in the Bible, when they encounter God, they feel exposed because he sees our sin. He knows that we struggle to believe. He knows that we fail to obey. We all have sinned. And so we are all worthy of God's just punishment for our sin. And the Bible shows us over and over again that it's terrifying to come into the presence of God. And that leads them to their somewhat rhetorical question at the end of the chapter when they say, Who then is this? This guy is not from around here. He is something other than us. But that's exactly what we need. That's exactly who we need. We need someone who is other than us, someone who is more than we could ever be. Because when we look at this broken world, I mean, who can possibly fix everything that is wrong with the world today? And just even more than that, who can fix my own sinful heart? Who can transform my heart from loving and desiring sinful things to then loving and desiring Jesus even more? Who can do something like that? When it feels like the storm of life makes it impossible to follow Jesus, how are we going to make it through? We need more than just a teacher. We need more than a religious figure. We need more than a nice guy. We need the God-man. We need a Savior who can completely and totally deliver us from the storm. And that's what Mark is trying to drive home here in this passage, the identity of Jesus. Who is Jesus? And who Jesus is is more amazing and more powerful than any circumstance that you or I will ever encounter. And God uses our storms, he uses our circumstances to take us on a journey of discovery of who Jesus is. He uses the pain and suffering and hard times in our life to teach us more about himself. So whether our financial situation changes or not, whether your broken relationships are fixed the way you would want them to be or not, and whether by his intervention our cancer or our COVID or our disease is cured, or whether from our perspective he takes us prematurely, the very storm itself is an opportunity for us to discover and believe in a deeper way that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That's who Jesus is. And when we are confronted with the power and glory of Jesus, with who he is, whatever it is that is eating away at our faith, whatever it is that seems insurmountable to us, suddenly is not so threatening. Imagine if the disciples had truly believed before who Jesus was. When that storm hit, I don't think they would have been quite so afraid. I, I don't think they would have been so quick to rush against Jesus and say, don't you even care about 
what's going on in our life. God uses the storm to grow our faith in his words, in Jesus over our circumstances, in his care for us, and in who Jesus is. As Stefan and the worship team come up, it all boils down to two questions. Where is your faith, and who then is this? I love where is your faith, not how great is your faith, but simply where have you placed your faith? See, part of the good news of the gospel is that it's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It's simply who are you trusting to save you? That's the gospel. Because like the disciples, our faith, my faith, is often weak. But thankfully, our salvation is not based on the power of our faith, but on the power of Jesus. You know, one of the most amazing things in this passage is that the disciples have weak, almost non-existent faith, and Jesus saves them anyway. They struggle to believe, and yet Jesus, in his love for them, saves them. The message of this story is that God, in Christ, enters into the storm with us to save us. See, he's not interested in helping us get ourselves out of trouble. Because we can't. We never can. We are sinful, broken, and flawed people. The disciples prove that for us in the story today. And as sinful people, our only hope is in Jesus. He has come to offer us ultimate salvation from sin and death and God's judgment. Our only contribution to the whole thing is our need to be saved. So where is your faith this morning as you watch at home? Are you trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone to save you from your sins? Or like the disciples, are you trying to insert your own effort and try to earn your way, make your way across the storm of life? God offers to save you if you simply have enough faith to ask him. And also remember, the main question that we need to have answered in our hearts is not what, when, where, or how. It's who. Who is this man? If Jesus was just a teacher, if he was just a good man, then we still have no hope. The wind and waves would not have obeyed him. But it's a question that needs to be answered not just once when we decide, hey, I believe that Jesus is God and I want to follow him. We have to answer that question, who is Jesus, on a daily basis as we follow him. Because I can say that I believe on Sunday. I can sing God's praises on Sunday. But if I live as if Jesus has no power on Monday, then what difference does that make? in my life. I need to remember who Jesus is because he has proved himself that he is sufficient to save. He alone has faced the fiercest storm of all, the storm of God's wrath for us to save us. And he has stilled the storm of death because he loves you and he cares for you. That is the good news behind Jesus calming the storm in Mark 4. And so if you're watching and you've never given your life to Christ, right now, in this moment, say, God, I place my faith in Jesus. I realize that I can never be good enough to save myself. I want to turn from my sins to you, and I ask that you would save me. If that's you this morning, you can be confident because one of the promises of God's word is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus wants to save you. If you've done that, go ahead and text the number on the screen. We would love to celebrate with you. We would love to be there for you. 
But maybe you're, you already are a follower of Jesus. You already have that relationship with God, but you're going through difficult circumstances right now. Right now, it feels like you're right there in the center of the storm. Whether it's your health, your family, your job, whatever the situation may be, these circumstances maybe have put a dent into your faith. You're having trouble believing God's word. You're having trouble believing that God is truly greater than whatever circumstance you're in. It seems like Jesus is asleep and he doesn't even care about what you are going through. I want to ask you to remember, remember who Jesus is. He is God. He is greater than your circumstances and he does care for you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 38 and 39 that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of Jesus. God uses the storm to grow our faith. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the example that you gave to us here in Mark chapter 4. I thank you that you go with us into the storm of life, that you recognize that we could never save ourselves, and that you do that for us on our behalf. And Lord, whoever is watching today that does not know you, whoever has not put their faith and trust in Christ alone to save them, Lord, right now I pray that you would work on their heart, that you would touch them, that you would heal them, that you would deliver them from their sin and realize, and just help them realize that they need you, that they can't do it on their own. And I ask you to give them that faith to believe. And Father, for my brothers and sisters who are watching, who are going through a storm right now, who maybe have forgotten your love for them, that you do care for them, who maybe say they believe that you are powerful but live in a different way, I pray, Lord, that now you would encourage them that they would give their circumstances over to you and they would trust you. And Father, I pray that this year you would indeed grow our faith. Not in ourselves, not in our abilities or our talents or our skills, but in you. I pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.